When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. President Biden warned yesterday that the leaked opinion that indicates the Supreme Court is prepared to overturn Roe versus Wade could threaten other freedoms and said, quote, what happens if you have states change the laws saying the children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Said Republicans, oh, hey, that's good. That's good. Huh? <laughs> what else you got? From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, Seth chats with actors Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, who are currently starring in The Music Man on Broadway. But first, a closer look. Republicans and right-wing pundits are focusing on the leak of the Supreme Court's draft ruling overturning Roe v. Wade rather than the ruling itself. Meanwhile, more evidence is emerging that potentially links Donald Trump to the militia groups involved in the attempted coup on January 6th. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. The right has been trying to overturn Roe for 50 years, and in order to achieve that goal, they've broken every conceivable norm in their path and nearly detonated our democracy. In fact, they partnered with a monstrous demagogue who literally tried to overthrow our democracy. And as part of that Faustian bargain, Trump promised to give them the judges they wanted as long as they looked the other way during his many crimes and abuses. And for years, Trump has gone out of his way to remind Republicans of the judges he gave them in order to retain their loyalty. I've always heard how important judges are. Now we know how important they are. I have 252 beautiful, brand new, conservative, wonderful judges. We have confirmed 191 brand new, beautiful federal judges. All those judges, those beautiful judges. No matter what he's talking about, he makes it sound like real estate. We have so many brand new, beautiful, split-level judges, all new appliances ready now for an easy move. These judges won't last. Book a viewing today. Trump got the GOP over the finish line, but this plot did not begin with him, and it's not unique to his presidency. Overturning Roe has been a nearly singular obsessive goal of the extremist right for half a century, as Senator Elizabeth Warren noted after a protest outside the Supreme Court on Tuesday. The Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting 
carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. It's true, they've spent decades carefully cultivating these justices. They look like they were grown in a lab to overturn abortion rights. I mean, look at this guy. He looks like the dean who threatens to shut down the fraternity and every 80s teen comedy. If he had written the draft opinion, it would have ended with, we rule that Roe must be overturned and also that a werewolf can't play basketball. <laughs> of course, it won't surprise you to learn that instead of responding to the substance that Warren and the protesters were saying, the depraved weirdos who make up today's Republican Party decided instead to mock the people who attended. For example, there's Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who is currently under federal investigation over unpaid parking tickets. Wait, sorry, I read that wrong. Over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him in violation of federal sex trafficking laws. And I'm sure he also hasn't paid all his parking tickets. <laughs> Gates chose a line of attack that quickly backfired. One lawmaker appearing to stoke the flames of controversy, Florida Congressman Matt Gates tweeting, how many of the women rallying against overturning Roe are overeducated, underloved millennials who sadly return from protests to a lonely microwave dinner with their cats and no bumble matches? It is very telling that you think overeducated is a burn. So what grade are you in? Oh, I'm a sophomore in college. Sophomore? Sorry, you're a little overeducated for me. <laughs> Once you read Fahrenheit 451, you're basically a grandma to old Gatesy. <laughs> and when they're not mocking protesters, they are, of course, pretending to be indignant over the leak itself, rather than celebrating the outcome, because they know overturning Roe and criminalizing abortion are deeply unpopular with a huge majority of voters. So instead, they want to throw the leaker in jail. What happened to the court today was the saddest chapter in the history of the United States Supreme Court. This was despicable, it's dangerous, and it was dumb. If that left-wing law clerk succeeds, it will be the most grotesque politicization of the Supreme Court in the history of our nation. Well, you mentioned an FBI investigation. I hope there is a serious yes. one. And I hope whoever is responsible for this not only is fired instantly, but is prosecuted and serves real jail time for violating the confidences of the Supreme Court. There is no duo in history worse than Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham. You know who was a much better duo? Millie Vanilli. Or, as they're known in Supreme Court parlance, Millie v. Anilli. Next time, next time Cruz flees his state during a weather emergency, I'm betting he'll... By the way, if you got that musical reference, Matt Gates doesn't want to date you. Anyway, if you want to talk about politicizing the court, why don't we talk about the fact that a sitting justice, Clarence Thomas, was the sole vote in a case that would have allowed Trump to keep documents relevant to the January 6th insurrection private. Documents, it turns out, that could have involved Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, who repeatedly sent text messages to Trump's chief of staff, pushing him to overturn the 2020 election. Thomas didn't recuse himself from that case. His wife was texting Meadows insane theories about election fraud and ideas for how to keep Trump in power. And I really, I cannot stress enough how unhinged these texts were. The Washington Post obtained copies of messages that had been turned over to the January 6th committee, revealing that Ginny Thomas sent former Trump chief of staff Mark Meadows a barrage of texts in the weeks after the 2020 election, urging him to try to overturn the results. She referred to wild far-right conspiracy theories, sending Meadows a link to an absolutely 
just insane YouTube video that's since been taken down, which was centered around a fake QAnon conspiracy theory. After she texted that video to Meadows, Thomas added, quote, I hope this is true. Right after the election, she quoted to Meadows the language then circulating on pro-Trump sites, quote, Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media reporters, etc., are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition, adding, I hope this is true. Now, Ginny, personally, when a text ends with, I hope this is true, I prefer that it follows something like, heard you're coming home for the holidays, or a little bird told me you got that promotion. Not Biden crime family will be living in barges off Gitmo, you cuckoo nutbird. <laughs> Do you travel with a life preserver? Because lady, you were off the deep end. And you may say, uh, she's not a Supreme Court justice. She's his wife. Leave her alone. First of all, it's a massive conflict of interest. Second, she was encouraging a coup. Third, why does she get to text Mark Meadows? My wife doesn't get to text my guests before they come on my show, because if she did, I knew what she would text them. <laughs> this stuff is really deranged. She thought there were secret watermarks on ballots and that the Biden crime family was being detained at Gitmo for election fraud on barges, no less. If you ask me, she's doing the service to the name Ginny. Ginny should be the cool aunt who lets you have champagne at New Year's when you're 15 and drives a Jeep Wrangler with a bunch of fish stickers on it and has a cool roommate named Debbie who has three rescue dogs and oh, I just think I, I think I just realized something about Aunt Ginny. <laughs> All right. Good for Aunt Ginny, certainly. Certainly doing better than Aunt Barb. Aunt Barb, still looking for Mr. Right. In reality, of course, it turned out the criminals were the ones trying to overthrow a free and fair election through violent means, like the militia group, the Oath Keepers. Yesterday, we found out that the head of that group allegedly had a contact close to Trump and tried to reach out to Trump through an intermediary during the coup. New court papers have revealed just how far a North Texas man was reportedly willing to go to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers militia movement, allegedly called an intermediary after the Capitol attack on January 6th and asked to be put in contact with former President Trump so that the president could authorize their militia to forcibly oppose the transfer of power. This individual denied Rhodes' request to speak directly with President Trump. He never got through to Trump, but I'm guessing it's because Trump thought the Oath Keepers was the name of a charity he promised to donate to in the 80s. Hi, we're calling from the Oath Keepers Fund. We're trying to track down a, a pledge for $1 million Mr. Trump made in 1984. That's so weird, I could've sworn I put the check in the mail. Maybe it got lost. You know, playing a Millie Vanilli track early is how they caught Millie Vanilli. <laughs> you know what? I think it's still gonna play. That's weird. <laughs> you guys, take it out of your head. Get it out of your head. Let it surprise you. That's weird. I could have sworn I put the check in the mail. Maybe it got lost in a hurricane. I guess I'll have to... Because the rain, let me tell you something about the rain. If I've learned, the rain don't mind. 
But let's get back to Roe. An extremist movement of far-right conservatives has spent five decades carefully orchestrating the outcome we're seeing now. Their devil's bargain with Trump got them across the finish line, but the assault on abortion rights isn't unique to him, and it didn't start with him. For example, after the 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, reaffirmed Roe, anti-abortion activists shifted to a new strategy. They launched a barrage of new abortion restrictions to see which ones the court would uphold. The joint opinion, delivered by Justices O'Connor, Souter, and Kennedy, crafted a middle position. They upheld Roe, but changed the standard by which abortion laws would be judged. They established instead the undue burden standard. A law would be invalid, they declared, if it placed substantial obstacles in the path of a woman seeking an abortion. People got the impression that abortion was safe, Roe v. Wade was safe. All the pro-choice people went home. But what happened is pro-lifers started to pass legislation to test what exactly is an undue burden. Let's pass this bill. Is that undue? Let's pass that bill. Is that undue? And let's see where the courts draw the line. Anti-abortion activists basically adopted the same strategy for attacking Roe that your five-year-old takes when you tell them not to run too close to the pool. Is this too close? Yes. What about this? Yes. What about this? Zachary Hudson Hamilton III, if you do not move away from the pool right now, so help me to God, I will end you. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I shouldn't have had that third nitro cold brew. So, they've been working towards this for decades. Kavanaugh, for example, once hailed Justice William Rehnquist as his judicial hero, in part for his dissent in Roe v. Wade, but when it came time to testify to the Senate about their positions on Roe, Kavanaugh and his fellow Trump appointee Neil Gorsuch played the usual rhetorical games and lied, even though everyone knew or should have known at the time they were brazenly lying. Senator, I um, said that it's settled as a precedent of the Supreme Court entitled to respect under principles of stare decisis. And one of the important things to keep in mind about Roe v. Wade is that it has been reaffirmed many times over the past uh, 45 years. Had you ever met President Trump personally? <clears throat> Not until my interview. In that interview, did he ever ask you to overrule Roe v. Wade? No, Senator. What would he have done if he if he'd asked? Senator, I would have walked out the door. I would have walked out the door, and then I would have stopped and turned around and winked so hard my cufflinks flew off. <laughs> Everyone knew these guys were lying because Trump had explicitly promised in a desperate bid to grovel for the support of the religious right to appoint pro-life justices. Who would overturn Roe? And that's why Republicans stuck with him through his crimes and abuses of power, so they could reap their end of the bargain. Republicans looked the other way during the Trump years and spent their time scrolling through Bumble looking for... Beautiful judges. This has been a closer look. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
Our guests tonight are Tony Award-winning actors who currently star in The Music Man, which is playing at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway. Please welcome back to the show Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman, everybody. I, um, I, was, I was lucky enough to see uh, this incredible uh, musical on opening night. There was such enthusiasm because it's also, it's a show, it's Broadway, it's people being back out together again. Is that energy the same every night? Because it was tremendous the first night out. It really has been. I mean, Broadway was non-existent for almost two years. And I feel like there's this um, shared sense of gratitude between the people on stage and the audience. And the show is so joyful. And mm. I'm having the time of my life playing opposite this guy. You had to say uh, that, but yeah, thank, you. Did. thank you. But it's really like, it's like, a, it's a dream come true. Can really. you guys clock what kind of audience you have on any given night? I mean, you obviously have a lot of two-person scenes in the show. Can you make mm -hmm. eye contact and know it's this kind of night? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things. So I'm on stage. Sutton's not on stage at the beginning, but I'm on stage behind the, the thing. And so sometimes you can hear clapping along with the overture and we all we have a little signal. We can tell. But sometimes the, the audience goes away. Like we hecklers. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we, we did have... We what have kind hecklers. of heckles do you get during the music man? Good point. Yeah. <laughs> mainly, mainly clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiss her already. Oh, a lot of kiss her already. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There is a. I mean, you do make us wait for it a bit in the show. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. We once got a hell. Yeah, that was. I'm not encouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I did once. I stand up at the beginning of the show. I say one line, and I stand up, and I did hear a Wolverine. And I'm like, <laughs> it's gonna be a long night, pal. I'm just saying. And they're like, he's not There's Wolverine. not much of that coming. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, the whole show's about a con man. That might be the twist at the end, that it was Wolverine. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we did have a hilarious sneezer. Oh, no. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, like yeah. someone with a really bad allergy who probably also is a stand-up comedian because the timing was perfect on every <laughs> sneeze. Perfect timing. And then this yeah. one, we're, it, sorry, in the second act, we had a very long scene together where we're like, you know, the, the, the breaking down and starting to like fall for each other. And, and this person is sneezing repeatedly. And then at one point he went, bless you. <laughs> and I was like, and then it was over. And then he exits and just leaves me on stage. Yeah. So I have to endure the Which wrath. point, as I walked out, Sutton goes, terrific. Great. I'm like, <laughs> Never working with you again. This is great. I mean, again, there are all these tremendous moments, but, and beautiful songs, but uh, speaking of live theater, there's a scene in a library where you, uh, it's so many dancers, and it's yeah. just the amount of choreographed book throwing. And I mean, on the, I was there opening night. I did not see a book fall. Do books ever fall? We were good on opening night. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I actually gave a hard hat to the uh, conductor because I nearly clocked about three nights ago. I really? <laughs> a little bit. I threw it up and I lost it in the light, and I'm like, uh oh. And I went, <laughs> but I missed it, and it was literally. Whoosh. But wow. we have a musical. Patrick Bacriel has got incredible timing because it just went. Whoosh. Oh, he hit it back up. <laughs> It's pretty great. Have you ever, either of you personally, been hit with a book? Have oh, you? I have. Yeah, okay, I got pelted in the head. Oh, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. They fly all over the place. Yeah, right. And then yeah. one night it kind of like bounced and they went gagoink. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I know you guys had met over the years. Obviously, this is the first time you're working together. I would imagine you each have a different reason to be intimidated going into rehearsals with one another. Yeah. Was Did that exist for each of you? I'm, I mean, yes. yeah. Okay. Yes, very much so. I was, yes, yes. I mean, you're, yes, you're yes, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> so they told you right away he was Hugh Jackman, Yeah, right? he, they said, 
it's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> and then it's like our names are like really big on like a giant billboard. And I was like, oh God, that's gonna cost a lot of money when they pick, have to replace me. Because I'm like, that's real big, that's a lot of paint. But I was pretty convinced I was gonna be fired for a, a several weeks. It. Oh, it's true though. You know, you just get, but I guess yeah. like, I don't know. That's part of the reason why we're you do what you do. If you if you were like, oh yeah, I got this. But I, would, I guess that's a big like. Has it always been that way? I mean, um, you know, I know you did Boy from Oz in two thousand four. I imagine in everything you've done, I imagine the early days of the rehearsal, you must always feel that like, oh, they're gonna yeah. they're, they're gonna pull the plug, right? <laughs> and particularly after the pandemic, and yeah. it being a while for anybody being back in that room. I was certainly intimidated. This is a six time Tony nominee, two time yeah. winner. Like I saw her do Thoroughly Modern Millie when you were like four years old, and. <laughs> No, but I've watched everything she's done. It's yeah. amazing. And I'm the guy who, in my first show, Beauty and the Beast, it was in my contract that I had to have singing lessons once a week. So, you know, I... <laughs> That's true, by the way. It may, it may be a professional first. <laughs> did you go this week? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> really? I was like, yeah. Did, they have, did your teacher have to, like, sign a note for you? A hundred percent. That's really funny. Yeah. Well, it's paid off, Hugh, because yeah, you're absolutely... You know, so, you know what? That was very unfair that they made you do that, but it was worth every penny. <laughs> Um, uh, we'll be right back. I have more to ask you guys. That's Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman. Stick around. Welcome back to Late Night. We're here with Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman. And it is so lovely to have you guys. Uh, and, and Hugh, I want to ask about this. You were talking about, you know, early days of being an actor. You uh, gave a speech that sort of went viral after one of your shows talking about understudies and how I think none of us quite appreciate the pressure they're under when they have to go out, especially for a show of this magnitude, and, yeah. and do a part. Yeah, I found it really moving. I think a lot of people understand understudy. That's been in a bunch of movies, but there's a thing called a swing, which I don't think anyone understood. So Kathy Voitko, who was understudy and a swing for Sutton, who uh, got COVID. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Yeah, all right. yeah. she got COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, and I, then we I all got COVID. She was, uh, that's what she wants yeah. you to say. COVID. <laughs> and, uh, but it was like our fifth or sixth preview. So yeah, no one had had any rehearsal. Yeah. It was a crazy time. Like no one, there's no one to study rehearsals. But a swing covers eight or nine parts. So a swing is not on stage every night. They're just like ready to take over. Yeah. Um, and so she arrived, Kathy arrived at 12 o'clock and said, oh, by the way, you're on tonight. She goes, oh, okay, which track? And I said, uh, Marianne Peru. She went, <laughs> The lead, right. Okay, and they handed her an abbreviated version of the script, like a little file with all her scenes highlighted and said, don't worry, we have like six or seven hours before the show, so we're going to go through everything. And I just saw her face just go completely white and I was just blown away. I mean, Sutton quite famously became a star being an understudy and I'd never done it. So for me, it is so brave and incredible and Herculean. And Kathy went on with basically running through every scene and every song once, and then went on in front of 1,500 people. And I just wanted the audience to kind of understand that. And It's a really lovely, I think, gift you gave the audience as well. I mean, not just a gift for her, but I think sometimes an audience member might have a moment of like, oh, there's an understudy tonight. When, when you see that, you should realize you're about to see somebody do something that requires so much skill yeah. And that's a really exciting thing to be for on any given night. And audiences are actually really, sorry, I'm talking too much, but audiences are really, um, 
generous with that. Although this was the fifth in a preview for a show like this. The people who are going have bought their tickets a long way before and Sutton is literally the best in the world. And I would say this if you weren't here or if I wasn't on national television, but you are, the, I think, the best in the world at what, at, at what she does. She's incredible. So people are going to see her. So I can only imagine they're like, ah, oh, when she wasn't on. But, but, but they sort of rally and they understand the story of it, which is amazing. So And anything that's unique to the night, as you said, like that's one of the cool things about going to see a Broadway show. Like, it was different. You know, it wasn't the same and probably wasn't what they were expecting. It was what, spontaneous and alive. Yeah. Talk about your uh, experiences in understudy. What, what, what happened on the nights you were told to go out there? Oh, gosh. Well, yes, I was, in a, that was, I mean, I, my early days, I was in the ensemble and, and was an understudy. And it was always a thrill. It was always, you, but you had to be prepared and ready for that phone call. And, um, but it was always scary. And you just try to keep the show up <laughs> and try not to throw anybody too much. But um, no, it's a, our company, our, oh, sorry, our company is, <laughs> our company is extraordinary. And, and what everyone did especially when we were first opening and how everyone rose to the occasion. And it, it, it was like a, an unbelievable, unbelievable talent, mm. um, uh, collaboration. Everybody just kind of came together to like keep the show going. At one point, there were 12 people out of 14. our... 14 people mm. out of our show. And Swings, uh, Ryan was... Yeah. Ryan Worsing was doing seven yeah. tracks. <laughs> and yeah. we were just trying to keep the show up. Yeah. Does anyone know the script? Because just come on down. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> but exactly. our dance captain, Ryan, uh, uh, who's incredible, has done 15 different tracks already. So yeah. he's played 15 different parts. And That's, he's just awesome. And he's yeah. amazing. And everybody just... Everyone rallies around each other and they support one another. It's the most incredible company I've ever been a part of. Mm, and and it's, it's really extraordinary. It's mind-blowing when I, anytime I see, uh, be it a musical or a play on Broadway, I can't believe someone's learned one part. <laughs> right. And the fact right. that Let you have to 15. learn all the parts is just amazing. Yeah, so. and be confident and like ready to go and ready to sing whatever you're supposed to sing. And yeah, it's, it's Well, um, it shows. Uh, what you're saying about the company uh, shows on stage. Uh, congratulations, guys. It's such a wonderful show. I hope everybody has a chance to see it. And thanks yeah, so much yeah, for yeah. being here, you guys. It's Pleasure. Sutton Foster, Hugh Jackman, the music man, playing at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 12.35, 11.35 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the Outer Lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. I promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.